witnessing a front three-quarter view of two adults sharing a tender moment. Hello and welcome to Front Three Quarter View, my Twin Peaks podcast. I am James and today I'm going to be talking about Firewalk With Me and The Missing Pieces and also a little bit about Alternative Season 3s. So, I have recently rewatched Firewalk With Me and The Missing Pieces and decided it was time to talk about my own experiences with the film and also uh, some of the things I've noticed uh, over my different rewatches of it. I initially watched the film when I did the first watchthrough of the series. I watched the first two seasons uh, and then I saw the film, I saw the missing pieces and then I went on to the return and the return was still airing at that point. Um, so that dates sort of when I was watching the series for the first time. Um, and I remember that by part eight, I definitely caught up maybe even by like part four or five, I think. So I was watching the return pretty much week on week from fairly close to the start. Um, and Firewalk with me was just something I watched because it was part of the story. I knew it was important. Uh, for the return, I was very excited to see what they'd done as a prequel film. Um, and just, I mean, that's where you watch it, isn't it? Um, and in fact, this time on my rewatch, I've watched it out of order because I'm rewatching the original series again, just because it's wonderful. And I've seen the film and the missing pieces during my watch through. And I think actually watching it in the middle of season two does really help you notice more connections. Um, it's definitely enhanced my watching of the end of the, the Laura Palmer arc. I think seeing the film again so close to watching those episodes again. Uh, so that's actually been quite nice watching out of order this time. But my initial reaction to the film was not good. Um, which was, as I understand it, also the initial reaction when the film came out in 1991. Um, 91, 92, I should really get my dates right. Um, but it's, I mean, it's, it's an odd film to watch the first time. It's very intense. Um, and I think the intensity is probably what put me off. It's, um, I mean, it's hard because I think I don't really remember the specifics of my reaction the first time that much, but... I think probably a lack of Cooper wasn't helping. Um, but most of all, I just think the subject matter was probably just too heavy for me. Um, I think it was an incredibly hard watch. Um, you know, the scene in the pink room. I insist that I didn't see that scene with subtitles. Because every time I put it on my Blu-ray that scene has got subtitles just automatically, but I swear the first time I saw that film, it didn't have them. And I don't know whether I put them on as it as the film went on, um, but, or sorry, as that scene went on, but I definitely remember watching part of it without subtitles. So the pink room scene, as challenging as it is to watch anyway, just because of its content was difficult because I was just infuriated at not being able to understand what anyone was saying. Um, it's it's just an incredibly 
adult film. It's incredibly, it deals with some very, very, very difficult issues. Um, but it's odd because it does work as a standalone film um, to an extent. I don't, I mean, it wouldn't work if you then watched it first and wanted to see the season after it because um, that, I mean, you'd know who killed Laura Palmer for one thing. Um, so I don't know if it's even meant to function as a standalone film. And I know that there was some reaction to it, you know, when it first was shown at Cannes and there's the story that it was booed, um, although that story's been disputed since. But, you know, there was this criticism levelled at it that it was very self-indulgent of Lynch specifically. Um, in fact, I think Tarantino said something to that effect, but in a less polite way about it. Um, and actually, I don't find it, even on the first watch, I didn't find it self-indulgent on Lynch's part. I found it difficult um, and uncomfortable and not a enjoyable experience, really, as a film goer, just because of the intensity of its subject matter. But I don't think you could really accuse it of being indulgent on Lynch's part. And it is... Um, it's very, very loyal to the series. And the thing that's so wonderful about it as well, um, because as you might have guessed, my opinion on the film has changed. Um, but the thing that is so wonderful about it is that it is so faithful to its own world um, that it's created. And the series isn't just the pilot by the time the film is made. And the film acknowledges the fact that these characters like Harold Smith exist. Um, so it's not even just Lynch's view of Twin Peaks um, to the point where it excludes everything else. The fact that Robert Engels was a writer on it is, you know, is a sign of that. Um, so I feel like it is difficult to watch as a lot of Lynch's films are. Um, but I never really understood the argument about it being self-indulgent. That being said, because I had quite a negative reaction to it the very first time I saw it, honestly, I had no intention of watching it ever again. Um, I just isn't what I was looking for in a film. But I watched the series with my partner and we got to the end of season two and he was very excited for the film. And we watched the film and my opinion of it changed. And I've watched it again recently um, and I like it even more than I did the first time I rewatched it. And I think it's for a number of reasons that my opinion has changed. I think I understand it more. I. I also think I like the original series better than I did initially. So my love of Twin Peaks has grown, so therefore my love of the film has grown with it because it's just more time in that world. Um, but it is, a, it is a very good film and it is such a close character examination of Laura and Leland. And it is uncomfortable, but you couldn't have any other exploration of that relationship. It is... Um, it is phenomenally acted. It's incredibly uncomfortable. There are, I still can't watch the scene where Laura 
you see Laura being assaulted. Um, I can't watch that scene. It makes me feel far too uncomfortable. But that being said, I understand more now why that scene is there. The first time I watched the film, I was quite angry that that had even been included because I think with a lot of things, you know, in film, TV, whatever, things are so much more powerful often when they're not seen, right? When they're only suggested. Um, and that scene goes against that in quite uh, an intense way. I also struggled the first time to watch the scene in the train car. I still struggle to watch that. Um, I'm slightly braver now with it. Um, the two times I've rewatched it recently, I have sort of seen it through, like from occasionally behind a cushion. Um, but actually the, the latest time that I watched the film and it got to the, you know, obviously one of the last scenes in the train car, there was something about it where it was so intense I actually found it difficult not to watch it because it just the it's the fact that it's the, like the choral music is just so powerful and you're like this this scene is so powerful it's so incredibly acted um and directed and scored especially and there was something about it that really just made me watch it properly like as a a really good film scene for the first time. Um, so there are still bits of the film that I'm uncomfortable with, but I can understand now more why those elements are in the film. And my reaction to the film has improved, and honestly, my love of the film has improved. The first time I watched it, I would say there was no love for it. Um, but I really do, I really do love it as a film. I think it is one of Lynch's most powerful. And I do like the fact that it has become such a sort of um, keystone for the return as well. But I'd like to think specifically for a bit about the missing pieces. Um, because my reaction to them has also changed. Um, I think I would love to see an extended version. I would love to see an extended version with loads of the missing scenes put back in. But I think re-watching the missing pieces so recently, I've actually begun to think I'm not sure I'd want that many in there. I think the film, because it was cut down so much, does occasionally come across as disjointed with regards to its editing. Um, and I don't, that doesn't hamper my enjoyment of it. And I don't think I really noticed that the first time, other than perhaps a little confusion narrative wise. Um, but I think the film would benefit from having some of its scenes put back in, mainly just because some of those scenes that are in the missing pieces are just so good. That being said, though, I wouldn't want as many in there as I initially did, because I think what you have with the film is you have something actually that can, in it, in a certain way, be standalone. If you had Norma and Ed and Pete and Josie in the film, 
then it loses any chance it has of being standalone, really. Um, and the film is edited in such a way in its completed form that it is an incredibly emotional and unrelenting, frankly, film that doesn't shy away from the issues it's talking about, um, that lots of other filmmakers and writers would shy away from. It doesn't um, neglect to talk about, you know, the difficulties of the issues it's dealing with. Some of the scenes would detract from that. However, I think some of the missing pieces would really enhance it and would really contrast it. Um, and I'm going to get more into what I think those scenes are a bit later on. But I'm going to work through, I've got some notes that I was making as I, as I thought about it last night. Um, so first of all, it is interesting that so much of this film comes to define the return. And there is a, you know, there's a an oft quoted piece of text, quote, words, speech that Lynch says, um, that the pilot is sort of what Lynch sees as a definitive Twin Peaks. Um, and this very much does feel like an extension of the pilot in much the same way as the first episode of season two does. Um, but it's interesting that the pilot is considered by Lynch to be sort of like the pure untainted Twin Peaks. And I think that's one of the reasons it's so lovely that it does actually acknowledge things we learn in the series that were um, not originally sort of from Lynch or even from Frost's um, own writing. Um, I think the concept of Harold came from Harley Payton, um, or at least the concept of the diary uh, that he writes did and you know it's nice to see that it does feel collaborative creatively in that sense but also it feels like it's a a spiritual link to the pilot because not only does it precede it but it is Lynch's view of it that also means that it makes sense that the film comes to define so much of the return because you've got the pilot the film the return all as sort of Lynch's um directorial visions um, and it does very much feel like to quote Cooper and the Giant it's one stone laid in front of another like every bit develops that path of Twin Peaks that version of Twin Peaks a bit further um, my notes say basically Lynch's Twin Peaks is what isn't filmed in a studio which is not entirely accurate and very broad, but an interesting way of thinking about the fact that Lynch is very... I think specifically Lynch is connected to the location, like the physical space, um, which is also obviously then not true because there are elements of the return that are filmed in a studio. But I think with regards to the town itself, there is something about the physical place that matches certainly Lynch's perception of what the series is. But the film also has the introduction of things which I feel like I forget aren't in the original series. Um, the Ring, Garmin Bosia. Um, my favourite bit of, I just love in The Return, uh, sorry, in Fire Walk With Me, where um, the arm says Garmin Bosia and the little definition comes up in brackets in the subtitles. You know, it's like, I want my Garmin Bosia, pain and suffering. 
uh, in brackets, which just makes me laugh every time. I think that's great. There's a little definition. And also so unlikely that there's a definition in the subtitles of all places in a Lynch film. Um, but the return has all of these symbolic um, elements, thematic motifs, and Firewalk With Me is the place where they really sort of appear for the first time. And I think actually the film is an interesting point because it moves Twin Peaks on from what is a network TV show. It's an unconventional and a surreal one for sure, but it's writing all of those elements within a network TV show. And then the film moves it on to something more, I don't want to say artistic because that sounds like it's derogatory to the TV show, um, but it becomes more, it's not even more thematic, it just becomes less, it, it becomes more inexplicable. There's less to explain, uh, there's less that is explained, there is more that is suggested, that is hinted at, that's open for interpretation. Um, and it's, I've written that it's law without the same spirituality of the return. So maybe an interesting way of thinking about it is you've got the original series, which is Lynch's ideas integrated in a very sort of narrative way by Frost. You've got the film, which is Lynch's ideas, um, partially integrated in a narrative way by Engels, but it's kind of the ideas are the most important thing. They are presented to you in the film. And then the return link some of that law, some of those ideas into a sort of spirituality that Frost provides, but without some of the narrative that the original sort of network shape of the show provided. Um, also, I thought it was interesting that one of the scenes in The Missing Pieces uh, in the sheriff station is very, very similarly paced to The Return. And actually all of the sheriff station scenes are weirdly slow because the rest of the film isn't really but it definitely has a very Returnian pace, um, some of those sheriff station scenes in The Missing Pieces. What's also interesting is that the film aligns most of all with Frost's view of Leland's guilt. So it says in Conversations with Mark Frost, which I've mentioned before, it's a brilliant book, um, but Frost says in that that his view of Leland is that Leland is mad, or he's got some kind of psychological issue and the murders are committed not because of Bob. So although Mark and uh, David had this idea that they wanted to um, make the killer a sort of spirit or a being or a creature, um, it's interesting that Frost's view is that Leland is the one who is guilty and this is the film, although Frost had no involvement with it, this is the film that shows you that version of events. Um, Bob is there, but he's never there with Teresa. And that for me is the most interesting one because I associate Leland far more with Laura and Maddie's death than I do Bob. And I associate Teresa's death with Bob almost exclusively. And the thing that's always struck me about the film is that you never see that, that Leland goes to meet Teresa because it seems so out of character. But what the film does do is it bridges that that darkness that Leland has and that that weirdness about his character and it gives it a real sinister edge. Um, so it's really interesting that the film is so explicit in, although Bob is there, in I think showing that actually Leland is more in control than we are initially led to believe, then the series kind of forgives him of the guilt 
or of the crime, really. The film does not do that. Um, Cooper is interesting because I think Cooper's performance really changes in the show, and I'd not really ever noticed it quite so much before, but Cooper in the pilot is different. He's a bit sterner. Um, and also a bit more, I think, gleeful than he is in the series, although obviously he carries that element of glee with him, uh, and it's just wonderful. But um, it's interesting that I think in the film, Cooper is definitely the pilot version of himself. And I don't know if that was a conscious choice on Carl McLaughlin's part to play him like he was played in the pilot, um, but he definitely seems like he's FBI Coop, um, which is different from... I've been in Twin Peaks a day and more, Coop. Um, and I think the performance does have more of an edge to it and is more similar to how he is in the pilot. Um, and the way he talks to Diane in The Missing Pieces is fitting with who Diane turns out to be. So there's a reference you, to you haven't changed your hair. Cooper's a little bit like smarmy though in that scene with Diane. I don't love it. Um, he's a bit like, I don't know, he's, he's sort of a bit creepy he's he's not the sort of gentle loving with annie sort of cooper with that he is with diane um and i suppose that just emphasizes my point that he's fbi coop and not twin peaks coop and i think they are different um i never realized before i knew that the original plan for judy was probably um going to be josie's twin or duplicate or sister who was this big person in a crime organization but I didn't make the connection that David Bowie mentions Seattle which is obviously where Josie goes so obviously Judy is set up to be that Josie connection um and then Judy is obviously subsequently rewritten um but I mean I'm just gonna talk a minute here I've got to mention David Bowie um I'm just amazed he's in it. I'm frankly amazed he's in this film. I love that he is. It's such a shame he wasn't able to reprise his role in The Return because that would have been such a thrill. Um, I love the fact he's a kettle, but you know, I do just think that it would have been so lovely and it's a real shame and obviously very sad that Bowie wasn't able to be in it. But um, I just think he's great. I, I mean, the scene where he appears in the actual film is very confusing on first watch. Um, and I do think actually having that convenience store in there in more detail would be nice. Um, but by editing it in the way that it's edited, the attention doesn't really shift from Jeffrey's narrative, even if Jeffrey's appearance is sort of bitty and... Um, bit chop and change so I think that um, I mean it's just lovely to have David Bowie in it and Jeffries is a, is a great addition to the law and another addition to the law that becomes incredibly important. The Missing Pieces is interesting actually in and of itself though because it's not watchable as a film but it's edited in such a way that it is meant to mirror and obviously reflect the finished film and the fact that it's still scored and the fact that it does seem like there are some extra edits in there is a really nice touch for them. 
Um, like the scene where Laura's looking at the fan comes in earlier to blend with the convenience store scene. And I don't know if that's what would have happened in the script, which I need to read. Um, but it's definitely interesting to think that there is a sort of an edited element to the missing pieces beyond just presenting them, which is really nice. Um, so there are a couple of really lovely scenes that I adore in the missing pieces that I wish had made their way into the film. Um, the scene between Sarah and Laura, in fact, all of the scenes with Sarah and Laura are really nice. And I love the you'll never be a smoker if you don't start scene. Also, the scene where they're learning Norwegian. You can see why it's not included, because in a weird way, you don't know whether it would undermine that absolutely terrifying dinner table scene where Leland looks at Laura's nails, and that's just horrific and unnerving and awful. But it does provide a fascinating contrast, and I think actually a really important one, to see the characters like that. Um, and it would alleviate some of the tension in the film, but I don't know whether that's for good or for bad. Um, there also is the, the really nice scene where Sarah says, you can tell me anything and I will understand, which I think is a fascinating line. There's always lots of arguments about Sarah's guilt and culpability with what was happening to Laura, um, which is a very interesting and important discussion to be having around Sarah. Uh, and especially since sort of the new version of Judy came in in the return. Um, but... I think her saying you can tell me anything and I will understand would be a really nice addition if we were going to see an extended version. Also, I really love the scene in Donna's house with the, um, with Donna's dad and her mum. Because not only does that provide us with such a genuinely lovely emotional scene, and Warren Frost is just adorable anyway, but there's the really wonderful moment, and I think it may be my favourite moment of the missing pieces, where Donna and Laura have left, and it's just Donna's dad and Donna's mum in the room on their own, and they don't look at each other, but they both have a look on their faces that is just chilling. They know something is wrong, and it's that... It, that's something that really enhances the thing Bobby says at the funeral in the series about everyone knew she was in trouble, but it just really gives us a lovely edge to this. You know, in the series, everyone turns out for Leland's funeral. You almost think that there's something more and under the surface to all of this, and it's just looks that those characters have that really provides that. Um, so I think that the scene where they're learning Norwegian and the scene with Donna's parents are the scenes I would put into the finished piece. And the other thing that's really struck me, not just watching the film, although that has obviously helped my perception of this, but Leland in the series is not as squeaky clean as he appears to be. He's kind of like a legitimate businessman, but actually he's not the most legitimate of businessmen at all. Just re-watching series two when he says about putting the money in the Cayman Islands and getting a little bit back. Like, and I think does Ben call him his mouthpiece at some point as well? Like there's definitely this idea that maybe Leland is as corrupt and untrustworthy as Ben. And that's a very subtle thing in the original series. Um, that manifests itself in a much, much darker way in the film. I thought it was interesting that both Leo and Leland get lines about dirt being under the surface. So 
you've got the scene that you see a little bit of in the finished film with Leo and Shelley, but Leo, when he's scrubbing the floor, says there's dirt right underneath the surface you have to get to. And obviously that mirrors Leland's line when he looks in Laura's nail and says there's dirt right underneath it, which is obviously a reference to the letters that Bob plants as well. But it is interesting that there is that parallel between Leo and Leland, um, because that's something else that is... Um, that's, there's probably more potential to explore there. Also, staying on the subject of Leland, the scene where he climbs the steps, where Laura is climbing, it's the night that Laura dies, she hears James's motorbike, she wants Leland to go into the house, but Leland is going up the steps really slowly, and he turns and he looks to where Laura is. It's the most chilling, prolonged glance, and I think that that actually would really add to the menace um, so I'd happily see that scene in, uh, implemented as well. Um, and there's also a couple of interesting bits that don't make it into the film, but do make it into the return. So I'd forgotten about the line, is it future or is it past, that the arm says. And also the fact that Lucy has a scene with the intercom where she gets confused about people talking on the intercom. And that scene has now been redone with mobile phones for the return. Um, so it's a really sweet scene here and it's interesting to see the mechanics of it play out almost identically in The Return 2. And then I'm just going to quickly talk about where would Twin Peaks have gone from here. So if The Return hadn't happened or indeed if Season 3 had happened and the film hadn't, or indeed, if the film had happened and there were future films, uh, which I think I read was a possibility um, to sort of round up the story, what were some of those ideas being thrown about in place of the return? Um, well, I did a bit of a Google and I'd heard of some of these ideas before, but I'd not heard of all of them and some of them are very interesting. I think the thing that's most interesting about a lot of the original season three ideas is that they're very much continuing in that format of working within the network TV show and the return and the film obviously managed to broaden the horizons in a very different way. Um, but I kind of love these. I don't want to call them conventional because that sounds insulting, but I kind of love these um continuation ideas because they do just feel like they really link to what the original series is um, and would have continued it in a really interesting way. So I love the idea primarily of Laura turning up, um, Laura turning up and being a, a redhead and then getting killed off again. I think why not have a new Laura every single season um, I almost expected that in the return, actually, when the tagline was, it is happening again. Um, I think having a new Laura and just another opportunity to see Cheryl Lee would have been great, honestly. I also quite like the idea of Cooper retiring and being a pharmacist. People maybe not realising that he's Bob as well, I think. Because obviously in the return we saw Mr C. But I think... It would have actually been really interesting to see a Cooper who we didn't know was Bob, but was actually being sinister and horrible on the side. And that would have been a fascinating exploration to have. Um, and I think, again, it says in the conversations with Mark Frost book that originally Frost and Lynch were going to come back for season three together 
and explore both of the worlds they created, Twin Peaks and the Red Room. And that is essentially what happened in The Return. But it's interesting that there are very sort of uh, different ideas about how to do that. So uh, Harry driving backwards into a cornfield to go a few seconds back in time so he could enter the lodge and save Cooper. I quite like that idea. Um, It sounds a little bit naff, I guess. But again, it kind of feels like it fits. Uh, And also, I love the idea that Briggs would have had to save Cooper as well. I think Briggs and Harry teaming up to save Cooper would have been perfection. Um, And it's a real shame, actually, that 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 wasn't able to happen in the return. There apparently would have been further exploration of the idea of Ben as Donna's father. And that's an interesting one, because obviously that's a very soapy idea. Um, But it does give you something interesting about Donna that exists beyond Laura. It also tells you something interesting in you about Ben. Um, I read somewhere that Ben would have given away all his money and looked after Audrey, who would have been in a wheelchair. I think also that would have been really interesting for Audrey. Um, So there were definitely interesting, very sort of uh, narrative-based ideas Um, about how to continue this series and I think the thing that is revealed most interestingly is this constant thing of how do you make Twin Peaks work in a conventional narrative way by which I mean everything the first two seasons does Um, because it's not conventionally narrative but it is mostly told in that way and I think you know, it's imbued with all these elements from soaps and other dramas, and it it occupies such an interesting position as a drama and and the way it works. And I think season three, the thing we got with the return, and indeed I think with the film, is it was this ability to tell different stories and also to tell stories that were less conventional. So to have in that environment the Red Room makes a lot of sense. To show the Red Room within the environment of season three um, in perhaps a much more substantial way than we'd seen in seasons one and two, that's fascinating because how would you have reconciled the Red Room and normal conventions of storytelling? How would those two things have played off each other and been compatible with each other? And that would have been a fascinating thing to explore. But It's interesting in light of the film because the film is the film is really what makes the return possible. I don't think the storytelling in the return would have felt so connected to the series without the film and all the things we're introduced to in the film to bridge that gap. So there are lots of interesting pieces and the film is almost this centre point that allows all of the things from the original to flow out into what we saw in the return. And yes, the series does get narratively less conventional as we go on, but maybe that jump wouldn't have been so possible without without the film existing um, and providing us with that. And it's also lovely as well that by making the return, it's given people an opportunity to go back and to reappraise the film um, because I needed it as I've said in my watching of it, 
I think that fandom has really benefited from being able to make the original series and the film coalesce in a brand new way with this brand new series that we got. Um, and so I think that has probably, you know, because tonally the film is obviously very different from the series and tonally the return is very different from both of those. But there are points of similarities that I think have really helped to unite the three of them. And I'm really glad as well, personally, that my own opinion of the film has developed and it's changed and it's, it's I'm just really glad because it's, it's given me an opportunity to appreciate the film and I think I would have been missing out without that opportunity. So, yeah, that is my experience with Fire Walk With Me. And it's been great, actually, to just spend some time talking about it and my own experiences and reactions to it and uh, and where it lies within the series. So I thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed. Uh, there will be some brand new podcasts coming very soon. Um, so stay tuned. Keep an eye on Spotify and Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts and all of those places. Uh, and also the Twitter account, Twin Peaks Interactive. And I will speak to you very, very soon. Thank you for listening.